Hey listeners, this is Tessa Dare. Just wanted to pop in to issue a quick content warning. During this episode, we touch on the film Nine and a Half Weeks and end up briefly discussing sexual assault as it pertains to the film. We don't go into much detail, but I thought it would be a good idea to mention it up top so you can decide for yourself if you want to listen today. That's all. Enjoy the show. podcast where we, a real-life mother and daughter duo, rewatch Gilmore Girls and discuss the misadventures of fictional mother and daughter duo Lorelai and Rory Gilmore. I am Tessa Dare, a writer and the author of the paranormal mystery series The Karans and Chronicles and Beth's daughter. And I'm Beth, Tessa's mom. I'm also a writer. We used to watch the Gilmore Girls together religiously pretty much when Tess was Rory's age, and I was a little bit older than Lorelai is in the TV show. Um, Tess's friends used to compare us to the Gilmore Girls because I was a single mom. Tess went to a private prep school that we could not afford. We've always had long analytical conversations about movies and TV, music, politics. When Tess moved to Seattle, we continued these talks over the phone, and sometimes they went pretty long. One day it occurred to us that we should move these discussions over to the digital world, maybe even into a podcast. And the Gilmore Girls felt like a good place to start, so here we are. Yes, and each week we're loosely trying to remember to mention how much coffee we're drinking, because coffee is a big thing on the Gilmore Girls. We're both pretty big coffee addicts, and so figured might as well start this off with uh, what we're drinking uh, in terms of coffee. I have already had... A can of a double latte, like a, a, an iced uh, double latte in a can, and I am now drinking from the same brand, uh, a vanilla draft latte. Second coffee wow. can of the day. It's a coffee can I was going to say, that, that's a lot of coffee. That looks like 12 ounces. Um, and is it 12? It's nine. It's nine ounces. Nine. Well, that's the, so... <laughs> You're on your second half of 18. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's pretty wild. Um, I've actually only had one large cup of coffee from St. Louis Bread Company, and that's been an hour. I'm trying to stick the water now because it's getting in St. Louis. It's getting late for the day. <laughs> so we're recording this. We should also mention from two different cities. Yes. Tess is in Seattle. I'm in St. Louis. We're in different time zones, so it's a little late for me to be drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. But... I did just finish mine about an hour ago. So. Also, I don't keep normal human hours, so I don't yes, start true. <laughs> drinking coffee until like 11 a.m. So not, mm-hmm. that, not that late for me. All right, so this is episode seven. Uh, it's called Kiss and Tell. It was originally aired November 16th. 2000. And uh, just a brief overview of the episode is that this is the episode where, as the title implies, uh, Rory experiences her first kiss but she does not tell Lorelai about it. For weird reasons, too. It's (laughs) not... Yeah, for pretty... uh, Yeah, the whole thing, there's a a jumble of reasons, actually, that that we'll get to, but yeah. I would also say, and this brings us to the uh, second scene, so we'll get there in a second, but the other reason this is a big episode is we finally have Taylor Dosey. Who? Taylor, the guy who owns the the grocery store. The 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 grocery store. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of annoying, yeah. 
Yeah, he's also he's just he's a he's a long running character, and it has just struck me as very odd that we've gone six whole episodes without him because I just remember him being such a constant on the show, and turns out he doesn't show up until episode seven. So, um, so we'll get to his entrance in a second. It's it's funny that you remembered him and his name and everything, and you've mentioned him in a couple a couple times in previous episodes, but I don't I didn't remember him at all, and I think it's because I have not really rewatched this series since it was originally aired. 22 years ago you've seen i think it, you've seen it a couple times since then so plus you just have a much better memory than i have so i've seen the first season again since then but i've never actually seen the show in its entirety there's whole chunks uh of the show that i don't remember but yes i, I do remember taylor because as this episode sets up he and luke have kind of a long-running not exactly feud just i guess a long-running clash of personalities <laughs> contentiousness yes they're a little contentious with with each other but taylor does reveal something in this episode about luke actually pretty early on that answers a question for us that we've actually brought up several times so far but go ahead and set the scene okay so yeah there's one scene before this and so we'll just go over that one pretty quickly as basically we start with an an explosion all over the town of autumn decor Oh my God. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, I think this really speaks to the strange way this show treats time because it's like they really want you to know that it's fall. But I feel like the decor is sort of a deliberate mishmash of Halloween and Thanksgiving. Yes. My first note was that, it, oh, it's Halloween. They're running through a, a pumpkin patch. Pumpkin patch, right? But then, but then no, because <laughs> then we see the dancers who are dressed up as, as pilgrims. pilgrims. Yeah. And some of them quite inappropriately as Native Americans, something that I don't think would have been done on television today, but was still considered okay at that time. I think they are also referred to as Indians. And to be honest, I am not the expert on what you should call anyone, but generally you should try to find out what tribe you are actually referring to because Indians are not a single or use, people. Yeah, use the term indigenous. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, or native, but um, yeah, it's a, we've certainly come a long way in 22 years and, it, and that's a, been a good thing. Um, but yeah, so Lorelai and Rory are walking through the town having a conversation about laundry. About um, underwear specifically. Yes, underwear specifically. <laughs> Lorelai reveals she is not wearing any because she has run out which you know maybe this is one of the times that proves that I'm actually much more similar to Lorelai than to Rory Uh, I don't do this as much anymore but I definitely for a a pretty long time would do exactly what Lorelai is doing run out of underwear and then just don't wear any for the day and hope that nobody notices but I love that that Rory admits that she did a load of laundry for herself we should we should point out once again that Rory and Lorelai have just distinctly different personalities and approaches to life and that's that plays out in this episode perfectly but it starts with this scene where we realize that Rory is the adult in this relationship she's done her laundry and she didn't tell her mom because it was a full load and she probably felt but did not say mom you're an adult you can do your own freaking laundry and including your underwear why should I worry about you you're the mother yeah. And the daughter, I did my laundry. Why don't you do yours? So anyway, there's there's none of that is said, but it's just that I was laughing, thinking about this as it was happening because it's definitely a, a reversal of traditional roles. Yeah, for sure. Oh, although I will say I had a question, which I, I don't know. I guess it, it makes a certain amount of sense because Rory and Lorelai 
have different schedules, but I'm just like, how, how does someone do a load of laundry in your house and you don't notice? Like you don't, well, she, uh, I have an answer for that. She probably did it. Well, she probably sneaked around and did it because she didn't want Lorelai to know, but she probably did it after school. I assume she gets home from school before Lorelai does get yeah. home from work? I, I don't know. But you would she need rides a bus, though. You'd need at least two hours. Yeah, I don't know how she did it. They don't, they don't, the time thing doesn't happen yeah. right in this, in this show. But she did it very successfully. Yes, she did. Uh, and then <laughs> I just love it. The At the end of their conversation, they walk past Miss Patty, who is choreographing this dance. Flutter, 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 yes, flutter is what she's saying. Yeah. And she says, where are my leaves? I got pumpkins, I got pilgrims, I got no leaves. <laughs> And she says all of this with a cigarette in her hand. Yes. Because this is still 2000, and we still have really not got to the point where we don't have those kinds of things in scenes with children, mm-hmm. which is what's going on here. Yeah. I think Miss <laughs> Patty's also kind of an intentional throwback, because it's, it's usually like a cigarette yes, and a cigarette is. holder, right? And a holder, yeah, yeah. She's definitely a, yeah, throwback is a great way to describe it. She's a trope almost. I mean, yeah. she's just a, but she, but as with everybody in this show who's kind of a stereotype, they all kind of have stereotypical components to their mm-hmm. their characters, but they all transcend those. And mm-hmm. she certainly does. She's much more than, than the stereotype would, would say about her. All right, so then um, Lorelai and Rory go to Luke's diner, and this is where we finally meet Taylor. So we can continue our Taylor discussion. Because, yeah, so they, they enter the diner, and Luke is basically being harassed and followed around by Taylor, who is trying to get him to put fall decor up in the diner. And Luke is not into it. Luke does not like orange, nope. nor does he like having this conversation every year, which is when we get Taylor saying that Luke has lived here for years. You have lived in Stars Hollow for a long time now, and it's time you became one of us. Mm-hmm. That's our That's our first... I don't know. The first time anybody's mentioned how long, it, up until now, Luke has seemed like a newcomer. A little bit, And maybe yeah. he still is. Maybe he is a newcomer compared to anybody else. I think at this point, this is where we get it a little bit more confirmed for us that it's just his personality is the personality of an outsider. Yes. But he's also yeah. a curmudgeon. Oh, yeah. So, and, and every town needs a curmudgeon. Mm-hmm. So, and, that, and that's definitely Luke, yeah. yeah. Well, Luke and Miss Kim share that. They are both curmudgeons. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Lorelai and Rory kind of spend some time trying to to get Luke's attention enough to give them coffee, but they fail at that. So Lorelai ends up going behind the the diner counter and serving them and supposedly getting Rory a blueberry muffin, but I don't think you ever actually see Rory even holding the muffin. I think when they walk out, they just have the coffee. But here's the thing about that particular part of this scene is that I get the impression that Lorelai is the only person he ever allows to walk behind the counter because he does not yell at her. And in fact, all he does when she's getting the muffins, they don't forget to use it, the tweezers the or the yeah. Yeah, the tongs. Yeah. <laughs> the tweezers. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely, it's it, like, we are not that far off from when Suki did this, from when Suki walked behind the counter and he kind of flipped out the second he saw oh, her. Oh, yeah. Even before he saw all the things she was doing. And he's right there when Lorelai walks behind the counter. He doesn't say anything. Mm-mm. So, yeah, it's definitely a marked difference. There are several, couple of scenes, I, I should say, in this episode with the two of them where their relationship seems to be settling into a softer place place oh yeah and that that ha- happens later on too not yet quite sweet but certainly softer there were definitely a couple of times during this episode where i felt like he was almost the default second parent 
to Rory. That's what I was thinking, too. In fact, yeah. I have it in my notes. It definitely seems like it's mom and dad in one mm-hmm. scene. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but yeah, yeah it's we definitely. Are a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Lorelai serves herself, and then on their way out, Luke calls after her, what about the tip? And she responds, oh, yeah, here's a tip. Serve your customers. And he responds, <laughs> here's another. Don't sit on any cold benches. Because uh, that was great. And kind of, what's the word I want? <laughs> <laughs> it gives suggestive. you a, a visual it's what a suggestive it, yeah it gives you a real visual image it's mm-hmm. like how did they get that past the sensors honestly i i mean you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> my first thought was that sounds to me like luke has gone without underwear before <laughs> <laughs> but not wearing a skirt true true so she's wearing a skirt with no panties and it's very suggestive and and visual i mean it gives you a visual right away and it's like oh my god how did this get past the sensors but anyway yeah and yeah and he's but and he knows that because i like i sort of jumped past this but in their attempts to get his attention rory said that her mom wasn't wearing any underwear so that's how he knows Mm -hmm. that that's happening um and all of that is before the credits and then right after that we get rory getting off the bus after school um this is pretty much a pure town episode so we don't get any actual time at Chilton this episode and no time with grandparents and when she gets off the bus she looks a little she looks grumpy I mean she doesn't look like she's in a good mood when I'm in fact I'm I'm when I was looking at the what what's going on with her what what's what what is this look on her face that she looks there's something wrong but it, it turns out she's just a little nervous yeah because so she's she, getting ready to walk into the store yeah she's going over to see Dean at the market uh mm-hmm. this is where we get another Taylor episode which I kind of love this we haven't seen Taylor this whole time I almost wonder if Taylor was secretly on vacation or something and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden he's in like every single scene this episode I was kind of thinking that maybe they they realize as they moved along with the store with the Dean storyline that they're going to have to show him in the store more often. So they need to have somebody else, another character who's associated with the store, yeah. to you know kind of give it a or a grounding. Maybe they were waiting to pull out a character like this for uh, maybe they were waiting for some kind of seasonal thing. The idea that the whole town goes all out for generic fall, not really Halloween, not really Thanksgiving, but goes all out for i guess i guess they do mm-hmm. they call it like the autumn festival yeah um, and they have a lot of festivals they have a lot of celebrations yeah themed celebrations throughout the show and that's a constant is this throughout this is the throughout first the series. one though right the first one it's the first seeing. one I, th- yeah. I think i think yeah it is. because we've been dealing with the beginning of school up until yeah. now there really hasn't been a there have been birthday parties yeah and, fu- and funeral funerals <laughs> But that makes it the perfect episode to introduce someone like Taylor, who is just Mm -hmm. like very obsessed with sort of town cohesion and Mm -hmm. everything looking a certain way. Actually, I I do sort of, you know, I I have no real hard evidence for this one way or the other, but I have always felt that Taylor is kind of coded gay what do you feel i don't think i know enough yet i'd have to see him in a few more scenes he's kind of he's kind of like a male miss patty though oh yeah so maybe maybe so they're both kind of over the top characters maybe it's more just that this is a different and i guess it's it's also that he's always put in contrast with luke who is a very stereotypically masculine masculine Uh, Like you said, the curmudgeon. I actually kind of feel like Luke and Taylor are both curmudgeons in different ways. Different ways, yeah. Luke is a curmudgeon in this very traditional, masculine, owner of the diner, doesn't want to talk to anybody kind of way. Always has a a flannel shirt on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Taylor is... 
a curmudgeon and a like everything has to be his way kind of way mm-hmm. everything has to go the way that he wants it to go so i don't know i definitely think that he could be interpreted multiple different ways uh and you know gay and straight are not the only sexualities that exist maybe he's a representation of someone who's asexual you know someone who's an older person who appears to have never married you know may- maybe or, or and maybe the town they... he has married the town he's married he's the town taken... <laughs> he's pa- he's parenting the town he's responsible for yeah (laughs) and maybe it's just that like these are two different ideas of masculinity where luke's is like Mm -hmm. the stepping back kind of masculinity and taylor is much more like a controlling patriarch of the town Mm, yeah that's that's another way to look at it Uh uh-huh yeah so anyway i yeah i don't know why i have so much to say about taylor specifically And you've been waiting, too, because you've brought him up a couple times. Like, you were waiting to get to Taylor. I mean, I think, um, I, but, I, think but, I just love the back and forth between Taylor and Luke, because they're both kind of always a little bit wrong, and it's sort of funny to see them fight each other. Yeah, they are both almost always wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but but let's get to the next scene, because this is the scene that's the MacGuffin yes. of of everything in this in this episode, But and we have to spell it out. So, yeah, Rory enters the store. She picks up a thing of cornstarch, which, was she also looking at cornstarch the last time she came in here? I don't know, but she doesn't actually pick it up at first. She's just kind of She's just looking standing at there looking at it, touching it. Mm-hmm. And every time he looks over at her, you know, she looks down and she sees, well, you should say that she sees Dean. He's it's around the Dean. corner talking it's to Dean. a customer. And she's just kind of playing with this cornstarch and she picks it up uh, when he walks over and starts talking to her. And, you know, they have a conversation about her imaginarily needing this cornstarch, yes. which has happened before. This is not the first time. They've, they've talked about things that she really doesn't need, but that she's picked up to distract her, you know, make him think she was there for another reason. Yeah, and so he comes over and offers her a free pop, and she immediately laughs at him because pop is not called pop in Connecticut. It's called soda. It's called soda here, too. It's called there's, soda there's here, a, yeah. Yeah, I had family from Michigan, and they called it pop. And so I'm thinking, like, certain northern states, it's called pop. I could mm-hmm. be wrong about this, and maybe our listeners will make comments on this episode and say no no i live in texas and i call it pop but um (laughs) i don't think so i think in texas they call it dr pepper but you know some places they call it coke yeah new jersey new jersey they call it coke literally call it coke and i don't know this is this is a fascinating for me americana kind of question what do you call soda in your neck of the woods but anyway and i I feel like i've looked at those like maps that tell you where it's called different things but i feel like i've looked at a couple and they all kind of contradicted each other so i feel like Mm. i don't really know which different places call it different things i've always called it soda st louis we call it soda now what i don't know about the rest of seattle that's northern but it's not midwestern northern so i don't know i think most of my friends up here call it soda but yeah. a lot of you are transplants too a lot of you and a lot of your friends are transplants well i'm thinking so. specifically of my friends who did grow up here and i'm pretty sure they call it soda although the main one that i can think of exclusively drinks diet coke so <laughs> it's could, coke so he does call it <laughs> coke but that's because he's literally drinking coke so i don't know but yeah but so uh he offers her a free pop and uh she she comes over to the little soda fridge and he puts two sodas behind his back and tells her to guess and she leans over to say her guess and then he swoops in and sneaks a kiss and she says thank you and then runs away again every runs time she... away with with the cornstarch <laughs> corn in her hand. hand 
She never pays for it. She runs out of the store. And here's there are a couple things happening in this scene that I find fascinating. He, well, he's had. We find out later on he's had a girlfriend before, yes. so he knows how the flirtatious dance works. Mm-hmm. She does not. This mm-hmm. is her first attempt. She had no idea when she leaned in that he was going to kiss her. Yeah. I don't think we did either. I mean, you know, it did come come as a surprise until it happened. Then it was like, well, of course that's what he was doing. He's been flirting with her this whole scene, and she's been a she's been receiving that flirtatiousness kind of with an astonished approach. She's mm-hmm. astonished that he would be interested in her because he is tall and gorgeous mm-hmm. and charismatic and flirtatious and smart. He knows all the stuff she knows. Mm-hmm. You know, when they talk about music and movies, he knows all the references. And he's seen a lot of the same movies she's seen. So he's perfect for her in almost every way. And she can't believe that, first of all. She's never had a boyfriend. She's never been kissed. This is mm-hmm. her first kiss. Yeah. And in fact, it happened in aisle three and as you as per our usual i would rename this episode in aisle three (laughs) (laughs) maybe i would rename it kissed by the lord Um... yes it's good too oh and that is going to be an interesting thing to discuss too but anyway so yeah i mean we we can we can talk about it pretty much now go ahead well pretty much the rest of the episode is her trying to figure out how to tell her mom about this so that's why the kiss is the MacGuffin, and it's it's a shame because she doesn't really she's so focused on trying to figure out how to tell her mom that she doesn't really get to enjoy what happened or understand or think about it and you know until later on but anyway but she i mean she does a little bit because so she runs away to tell lane she basically makes a beeline straight to kim's antiques and runs in and immediately tells lane and unfortunately furthering the plot of this episode mrs kim overhears them uh, mm-hmm. So Rory goes, uh, oh my God, he kissed me. And Mrs. Kim pops up behind her and says, who kissed you? And Lane immediately says, the Lord, Mama. The kiss of the Lord. And it, it's funny because we don't know it yet, but but Miss Kim doesn't knows better. She doesn't yeah. believe her. Yeah. So she's not as stupid as her daughter seems to think she is. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a minute, but she accepts it. She accepts what Lane tells her. Mm-hmm. And then they have this great, and you know, I want to, I want to backtrack just a little bit here too and say that, that that first kiss, aside from everything that, that's, that happens is so sweet. Yeah. And it's, it's very sweet that he does it. The look on her face is sweet. When she says, thank you, it's sweet. Even though she feels that it's a nerdy thing to do later mm-hmm. on, she mentions that. But I just want to put that out there that it was a very, very sweet scene. And I, it's, uh, kind of sets you up for co- some of the difficult stuff that's that's coming up. So, yeah. but anyway, she does. She doesn't. She stands there and tells Lane all the details. Tells her from beginning to end exactly what happens, and then later on, of course, keeps telling her the same story over and over because yes. Lane can't get it enough. Yeah. But uh, but she doesn't um, tell Lorelai. Yeah, and she so in this scene, she tells Lane everything, and then she initially turns around to go tell her mom, but then she pauses. And says the last time the subject of boys came up, it got very ugly. Lane rightly points out that that was different because then she was thinking about giving up on Chilton over a guy. But then Roy's yeah. like, right, but it was over this guy. It's the same guy. Same guy, yeah. And she just, but she also, it's just hard. She want, She's always shared everything with her mom. Yeah. She wants to share her first kiss with her mom, but she hasn't told her about Dean. She's like, how do, mm-hmm. which do I do first? Yeah. It also, it's it's a little bit of like a 
timing comedy of timing errors issue because she she does decide that she's gonna tell her mom um, and she comes home ready to tell her but then Lorelai is just having a really bad day she's uh, Mm -hmm. trying to get the people to come and fix the fridge and despite having been on the phone with them for a really long time and argued her case with multiple different people on the other side she does not succeed in the conversation Uh, she tries to pressure them into coming the next day before she has to leave for work they refuse they're going to come monday however monday. Much that is between three and eight yeah uh which is a bummer and then she's really pissed and then rory you can kind of see on rory's face that she realizes that this is not an optimum time to share her happy news so she just kind of totally retreats into her shell unfortunately the very next scene is the scene of lorelei finding out from someone else that you wouldn't expect <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did also want to say Lorelai is wearing like a crocheted bandana on her head. Yeah. Uh, which I loved. And also those were so popular at that time. Everyone had a little bandana that they were like made specifically to be worn as headbands. Little headband bandanas. Oh, I do not remember this at all. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember that many of them being crocheted, which I, I like mm. Lorelai's a lot better than a lot of the yeah. ones that existed at the time. But there, I think I had one. It's like a, it was like a little triangle of fabric with like a little band sewn to one end of it that you could very easily tie as a headband. Hmm. They were very okay. big at that time. Okay. Now so. I'm going to have to rewatch the episode until I get to that scene so I can see. <laughs> just, <laughs> just look at her little headband. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the very next scene is Lorelai goes to Mrs. Kim's Antiques to pick up a rocker that she bought six weeks before. Oh, and by the way, did you see what color the rocker was? It's a dark teal. Okay, you yeah. It's a beautiful color. And the way she's dressed in this scene, since we're talking about clothes, she's very. she looks very drab to me. Mm. So I think there's a reversal of roles here. She's usually the one that knows what's going on, that is is hip to what's going on with the girls. Lane confides in her things she would never tell her own mother. So Lorelai is usually the mother who knows everything, which, by the way, I would say <clears throat> she and I had in common because when I had several mothers, when you were Rory's age, we would be talking, and they would say, how do you know these things? And I'd say, well, Tess tells me. And... <laughs> And they would say that their daughters didn't tell them anything. And they they were never in the know. Sometimes they would come to me and say, do you know what's going on with X, Y, Z? So that's that's another thing that Lorelai and and I have in common. But in this scene, it's it's just the opposite. She is not in the know. Mrs. Kim is in the know. Yeah, for once, Mrs. Kim knows something Mm -hmm. that Lorelai doesn't. And it's a very personal something. And Lorelai is totally thrown by not knowing it. And I think the drab clothes are supposed to be... Or show that she's she's on the you know in the power <laughs> scale. Her she's out of balance. Yeah, she her scale is down. That's one thing that's happening here. And Miss Mrs. Kim is a, it's a little odd for her. I think mm-hmm. that Lorelai doesn't know this. So I don't know. If she knows that Lorelai usually knows everything that's going on with Lane, and if she, if she's astounded by this this t- reversal of roles here. There are quite, there are several reversal of roles in this episode. So, uh, but Mrs. Kim, we realize is not as dumb as she is. Well, I shouldn't say dumb. That's not the right expression. She picks up and understands a lot more than 
the story runners, the writers have revealed to us. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know, I can't remember exactly if this continues this way or if this is a one-off, but up, runoff, <laughs> one-off, can't get that out. But up until now, she has never been the one in the know. And I think that's been deliberate. So I don't know what, you know, what's, if this is portends for the future, but she is not as unaware as people think she is. Well, you know, obviously, she's a successful businesswoman. Yeah. She, she, she's got a very successful antique shop. Mm-hmm. So she's not, she's not dumb, not by any means. She probably hears a lot more going on in her shop than she lets on. I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's more naive that people, people think she's naive uh, mm-hmm. because she's so Christian and like wants Lane to be so sheltered. I think it's easy to think that she then, you know, doesn't get these things. But don't you wonder when Lane said that to her, it was kissed by the Lord, Mom. <laughs> yeah. And she she knew what she had heard, and she knew mm-hmm. it was a boy who'd kissed it. So what does she think about Lane in that moment, talking mm-hmm. to her like that? That's what I'm kind of fascinated by in in this episode. One of the things. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not sure why Lane thought she would be able to get away with that, but maybe she just hoped. Maybe Lane is just in a, a place where she automatically lies so much to her mom that she just like couldn't not lie even though there was almost no way she was going to get away with that lie (laughs) but why does she start that to begin with you know why does she assume that her mother doesn't understand or doesn't know what's going on in the world because i don't i think she does yeah uh so lorelei ends up leaving the antique store without getting the chair still of course we knew that we could see that coming (laughs) the next scene is rory and lane again dressed as pilgrims uh sitting at one of the tables for the festival apparently collecting donations but really talking about the kiss again uh, Lane is asking her to tell her the story one more time and Rory responds I've been telling you this story for an hour it doesn't get dirty (laughs) and then they go on and apparently Lane has been doing some research on um Dean on yeah and Dean Dean and the listeners just just so you know uh my daughter actually texted me earlier in the week and said be careful about this week's episode of Gilmore Girls mom (laughs) because that's not how I put it (laughs) Rory doesn't like the name Beth yeah I think I just said FYI Rory shits on your name in this episode yeah and you know there there's a Beth you and I said to her that's okay I'm used to it Karen is the new Beth I mean Beth used to be kind of a a name for people who were a little, you know, dumb. So that doesn't surprise me that they named her Beth and, and gave Rory such a bad reaction to it. But then they're talking about Todd, who is the person who gave her all this all this information. And I, I wrote in my notes, Todd is not much better. No, Todd is also a terrible name. And I feel That's like a Todd is name. often the name of a character who sucks. I mean, yeah, I, I, think, I think maybe Beth just became considered to be like an old-fashioned name. Because if I think of the most famous... I don't know, if I try to think of, like, a famous Beth, the first thing that comes to mind is the character from Little Women, which is, like, at this point, pretty old. So maybe that just became so maybe just became associated with older stuff and therefore became a considered like an old-fashioned name although i definitely still like there are still young people who are named beth it's not that old-fashioned yeah and and some some uh women who are named mary beth go by Mm -hmm. beth yeah and so there's a lot of um the 
quite a few nicknames for Elizabeth. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's Liz, there's um, Betsy, which is an odd one, but yeah. it, it is. You know, there's Eliza, there's Liza. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of different nicknames for Elizabeth. I don't know why my mother picked Beth. I've always hated it. So <laughs> I I get I get what yes. she's saying in this scene. <laughs> So Rory asks Lane why she's so interested in the kiss when Lane herself recently got kissed. And Lane explains that her kiss was on the forehead by, quote, a theology major in a members-only jacket who truly believes that rock music leads to hard drugs. Um, (laughs) Which, yeah, that sounds terrible. Uh, And then she explains, or she tells Rory about Dean's music taste. Uh, She lists that he likes Nick Drake, Liz Fair, and The Sugar Plastic. Uh, I've not heard of any of those bands. The only one of these that I'd heard of was Liz Fair. Yeah, I have heard of her, yeah. But I did do a bit of research. So Liz Fair I knew about beforehand. The story of Liz Fair is that she was a pretty popular, like, indie music person. And then after having, I think, at least one, maybe two albums that had, like, a, a decent amount of popularity for someone who was, like, indie and, like, started off without a major record label, they, they were pretty popular. And then she, like, got signed to a major record label or something and ended up putting out this big pop hit and a lot of her fans thought that she had sold out. Uh, but that uh. is why I've heard of her. Um, Mm -hmm. because that album did super well. So out of these three, I think Liz Fair is probably today the most well-known. And the other two, so I looked up Nick Drake. Sounds like a very sad story about him. He died pretty young and actually mostly became popular after his death. I won't get too into it in case stories like this are triggering for people but yeah he was a musician he did put out two albums and actually later on in the episode rory and dean are discussing one of his albums the pink moon one there's there's a reference Mm. Um, but yeah apparently much of his popularity occurred after his death he sort of grew kind of a cult status after his death and the sugar plastic is an alternative band from la um i did listen to a little bit of both nick drake and the sugar plastic they both kind of sounded like 60s acoustic guitar hippie music uh neither of them were actually from the 60s i think they were both from like actually i don't remember let me pull up nick drake so i can get his timing right but i know the sugar plastic was like late 80s but it just Mm. sounded like a real throwback kind of sound uh okay so nick drake was 70s oh really yeah was his first name mitch or nick nick n-i-c-k uh but yeah so these these are all the uh all three of these so i'm pretty sure this yeah so i'm pretty sure this episode would have aired before liz fair's super big hit so all three of these are indie music tastes uh, which i do like and i feel like the show is maybe trying to bring to light some music that is not as well known but i will also say that it is a little bit unrealistic that almost every single character we meet is in love with some insanely obscure band that you've never heard of like everyone in this universe (laughs) and that everybody else gets the reference Mm -hmm. that's the other thing too is like i'm sorry I know a lot about movies and music and culture, mm-hmm. and I don't get half the references in here. So they're very yeah. obscure. I've never heard of Nick Drake. Died I in mean, 1974. Yeah. 
I, I, I feel like for Lane it makes sense because it is literally like her number one personality trait is that she's uh-huh. obsessed with like finding new obscure music. And I think even for Lor- for Rory it makes sense because Lane is her best friend. So it yeah. makes sense that she would have like heard about, you know, some of these things from Lane. But I do feel like Dean, it does not make as much sense. How does he know everything? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How does he know these three at the time very well, and- obscure acts? It's a good question because do we ever learn anything about his family background? Do we ever meet his parents? No, I don't think so. I don't so, know if we ever meet his parents. I do think we at some point meet his sister. I think only one, and he does in this episode say that he has sisters plural. I'm not sure if that remains mm. true later on in the show. I yeah, think, I think he ultimately. I don't know. I, I don't remember that well, um, but I do. I do remember that at some point we meet one of his sisters at least. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then during this conversation, Lane mentions that he has an ex named Beth. And Rory says that she hates the name Beth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, then the next scene after that is back at Luke's diner <laughs> where Miss Patty is eating with a friend and is not very subtly trying to help pressure Luke into putting up fall decorations. Taylor has yeah. officially recruited other members of the town to try to pressure Luke into putting some, I, I guess specifically he wants him to put up turkeys. Which, Poor Luke. Yeah, like I, I you know, I do, I, it is one of those things where I feel like Luke is totally in the right. It's his diner. He should not have to put up decor if he doesn't want to. On the other hand, pumpkins are great. Pumpkins are great decor. I feel like if you just put in a couple pumpkins, that would be fine. (laughs) He could totally put some pumpkins in the window. They wouldn't kill anybody, you know? But whatever it is his it is his diner this is this is actually kind of part of the same scene because basically Lorelai is sitting in the diner and hard staring at Lane and Rory through the window just like watching mm-hmm. them with this look of Luke calls it concern it, it looks like more than concern it's like devastation she almost looks like Rory broke up with her or something yeah <laughs> like, yeah she looks distraught and kind of obsessed yeah and we have to remember too that she's been having a bad week mm-hmm. so it's it's exaggerated in her mind but yeah mm-hmm. she does look at this and but at the same time it's like i'm seeing this scene and thinking you had a good woman you you have a very close relationship with your daughter that is not a given mm-hmm. you know a lot of mothers and daughters don't get along because it was just the two of you for so long with of course the town that is their surrogate family you tell you tell each other everything but she's growing up and she has friends. She's going to have a boyfriend. She's got a school that's in another town. She has extended her universe and her parameters beyond your world. So that's yeah. what's going on here. And it, it's it's not the first time we've seen it. It's It's been happening gradually. It's going to keep happening until the day she walks out the door and goes to college. Yeah. And even after that. So yeah. uh, she says, and this is, this is a metaphor of what all parents go through. You know, that you have to, they have to see their children, not as their children, but as, the, as people with their own personalities, their own lives, their own futures, and they got to let them go. It's just yeah. it's just the way it is. But yeah, so uh, Luke tries to get her to talk about whatever is making her upset, but she gets him to back off by claiming that she, she might at any moment start telling him to put up streamers and join in on everyone's pressuring. Yep. Uh, and then Rory comes he, in. He walks away. Yeah, and he's <laughs> like, okay, fine, I'm leaving. And then Rory shows up, basically shows up to drink some of Lorelai's coffee and then leave. Lorelai thought they were 
were getting lunch, but it turns out Rory and Lane are understaffed at the table, and uh, Lorelai at this point knows uh, about the kiss and basically tries to get Rory to talk about it. Like she's she's trying to set mm-hmm. Rory up to mention it, but Rory it goes completely over Rory's head, and she's she, in a hurry. She's going yeah. to give her mom a little bit of time and then get back to it. And by the way, is it Saturday or Sunday? I thought it was Saturday, but then the evening activities happen, and they have to get ready for school and work the next day. So it is a Sunday. So it must be Sunday, yeah. <laughs> yep. Days are not a thing that they actually experience in, yeah. in Stars Hollow. <laughs> uh, so Rory ends up bouncing and going back to Lane. Luke and Lorelai have another quick exchange where he passes her and says, not going to say you look concerned. And she responds with, not going to talk about how good you'd look dressed like one of the guys from The Crucible. <laughs> uh, and then the next scene is Lorelai kind of doing what Rory has been doing this whole time and going to spy on Dean in the market. Yeah. Uh, except Lorelai gets caught by Luke. And this is yep. where we, we And kind this of is get... the mom and dad scene. Yeah. yeah. This is the mom and dad scene. A little bit of foreshadowing. Scene. Yeah. He, he catches her, asks her what she's doing, and she finally admits that Rory got kissed and, quote unquote, that guy did it, pointing at Dean. And then she says, look at him. Look how smug he is. Uh, and Luke responds, he's bagging groceries. It's hard to be smug bagging groceries. Yeah. He, and, you know, the whole scene is, is just, we see a completely different side of Luke here. He gives a great mm-hmm. advice. Yeah. And, you know, he's telling her, well, you and I have just been saying, you got to let her grow up. It's, this is what's going to happen. Boys yeah. are going to be a part of her life. He looks like a decent guy. He's got a job. And she says something like, okay, Mr. Reality, break into somebody else's house. Because he's giving her reality. He's mm-hmm. telling her, this is this is reality. This is the way it is. But the way they have positioned them, the way the director has positioned the two of them in this scene and throughout the scene in the store, they are at each other's shoulders the whole time, like their mom and dad looking looking over at this potential future son of law that's that's what this scene looked like to me this is definitely mom and dad yeah i feel like there there was also a fair amount of like physicality between the two of them very very physical yeah, yeah. very close yeah yeah of course it, hey, it's a small store this is another thing this true. store is incredibly small i mean you know before trader joe's expanded their aisles because it got so popular it was that that kind of small you know true, even, it's true. even smaller than that it's like a it actually it's like it, a 7-eleven kind of yeah, thing yeah quick trip it kinda, yeah it kind of reminds me of the grocery store that was on campus when i was in college yes yeah. that one yes yeah. that it's that small but yeah so uh, and one of the things that she says when they're talking about it when she's calmed down a little bit she says that he looks like christopher mm-hmm. and luke basically responds that that's not that surprising because they're lorelei and rory are so similar that it follows that they would maybe have similar taste in men but she misinterprets um, it first what does she think he's saying i i don't know yeah she thinks he's saying something about out. it's a slap in the face to her whatever she thinks he's saying and i can't remember what it was now but then he says no no i mean it's because you know oh, oh that she would she would like somebody that looks like her father i think or something i don't know but but well, no that's why he's saying no that's not what i mean yeah it's just uh he just means that they have similar taste in men but uh ultimately she comes down on the fact the thing that she really can't get over is that rory didn't tell her 
Like, yes, she is freaked out that Rory is, you know, experimenting with guys in general, but the real issue is that Rory didn't tell her and Lorelai didn't get to have the moment that Lane got to have of the the confiding and the, the girlfriend talk. But as they are walking and Luke is giving her advice at a certain point, she kind of surpasses him, accepts everything that he's saying, and realizes that she just needs to go and talk to Rory about it. Yeah. Yeah. So she grows up. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, She does and basically waits for Rory to come home, then just pops up and says, so, kissed any good boys lately? Oh, yeah. And then she, uh, so we've got another reference here. She says something like, did you really think you were going to be able to keep it quiet in a town this size? You know, uh, with the rumor mill starting, people are going to, it's going to escalate to the point where people are going to think it was nine and a half weeks, which is the name of a movie, nine and a half weeks starring uh what's his name mickey rourke i think mickey rourke and And kim basinger maybe and kim basinger yeah i think so Mm -hmm. which i have seen and which i personally did not like very much (laughs) oh i thought it was a terrible movie but it's very popular (laughs) yeah it was very popular won some awards well i think mickey rourke did a great job he you know yeah i I mean the the acting was was, good yeah yeah i think for a while he was a really well-loved actor and he was a good actor but i never really thought of him as being a great actor but a lot of people did i don't know maybe it was the what? kind of movies he made so this was also this was before he did nine and a half weeks was made before he did boxing for a while um mm. and so his face changed um, yeah because of what happened when he was boxing uh yeah and so i think he he was an actor for a while and then he did boxing for a while and then he went back to acting and that's i think part of why he was drawn to the role uh in the movie the wrestler because he had you know experienced some of that lifestyle but his face had, had been so distorted or so changed it had been changed it, yeah. a, a, only roles he could get were kind of crazy ones like he was he was the bad guy in an iron man in an iron man movie yeah, yeah. yeah. The crazy bad guy yeah, with the chains. Sure. Yeah, whereas in Nine and a Half Weeks, he's very much like the sexy romantic lead. Yeah, I um, guess. He which, wasn't appealing to me. I yeah, like Kim Basinger, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that character wasn't appealing. I just, I, yeah. I, I had a friend in college who made me watch the movie, and I don't know, I, I find it to be, it's it's kind of like a proto Fifty Shades of Grey <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, there, there are a handful of movies like that that are yeah. just have, you know, you hear things about them and people, and it's and the impression you get is that there's just a whole lot of sex in them, mm-hmm. and and people, oh, you know, it's like hush hush and whatever, and but you but you gotta go see this because there's a lot of sex in it, and then you watch it and it's just stupid, and yeah. it's like there's first of all there's not a whole lot of sex in it, and what there is is just stupid. So yeah, also like <laughs> the, the big supposed sex scene, as far as I'm concerned, looks like a scene of coercion like to me that yeah. does not that does not read as a sexy sex scene it it reads Mm-mm. as a sexual assault different anytime, people are gonna have different opinions about that i guess no but, i think i think you're right anytime sex is is presented as being violent in any mm-hmm. way and she says not no. in yeah, and, and there's not being passionate and being violent, two very different things. Yeah. But too often sex is shown as being violent. Yeah. And and it's just, I'm sorry, men directors, women do not like violent sex. Mm-hmm. Get that through your fucking thick heads, <laughs> would you? So maybe yeah. men do? I don't even think men do. I don't think men like it either. So what? What? why do they depict it all the time? I don't We're know. completely off topic We're here, by the way. We're completely off topic. <laughs> uh, I will say, though, there is a famous scene in Nine and a Half Weeks where... 
the male character feeds the female character fruit and different things from his fridge while she's blindfolded. So I do think it's an appropriate reference here because they did kiss in the market. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you you made the connection. Weeks, <laughs> yes. Nine and a half weeks does have a sort of market related scene but it's also kind of it's also a point of contrast because their kiss was very chaste and nine and a half weeks is known yeah yeah and nine and a half weeks is is the opposite of that well Uh, and and i have a couple of references here too that i don't remember why i wrote them down one was he mentions nice apron or maybe i think lorelei says that oh yeah she says and and rory had said that and Rory he, did the same thing earlier. And he says, nice uniform yeah. uh, in response. And she says she sewed her buttons on with silver thread so that she stands out from the crowd. Yeah, that's it. And something else, I've got the Nancy Walker impression. Nancy I Walker, can't remember yeah. The context it's, here, but I had to look Nancy Walker up because the name was familiar to me and her face is familiar to me. And I think at one time she was a character actor in like the 60s and 70s. So she showed up in a lot of, every once in a while she'd just be in a TV show, kind of like this. This one you know where it she'd just show up and she'd be in it for an episode or two and she'd have she kind of a curmudgeonly mm-hmm. actress you know she had a very just a very the kind, a kind of look about her that you know was very distinctive very distinctive look about her an older woman she was it seems like she was always older mm-hmm. um even when she was younger but anyways i had to look it up and, and see who she was and i didn't remember but i can't remember what the reference was here so basically what happens is lorelei and rory talk about dean a little bit and and Lorelai goes full on into like super supportive girlfriend mode. Although there is a little bit of a hint that she's not as okay with it as she's pretending to be because she keeps overemphasizing how fine she is. And then basically the next scene is they go to the market to pick up junk food for movie night where they're going to watch mm-hmm. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And Rory pauses outside the market and basically admits that she does not feel ready for Lorelai to meet Dean. And she tells her, no name. Nancy Walker impressions. So that's basically the reference. Well, and I wonder if, uh, I don't think we've seen it, but has she, is she known for her Nancy Walker impression? I don't think we've seen it. I'm not sure where yeah. this is coming from, but I guess she does do a Nancy Walker impression. I don't know. Well, and, and, and the thing that's going on here is that, with Lorelai, I think, is that she cannot figure out why she's reacting the way she is. She hasn't yeah. quite figured it out yet. You know, she's uncomfortable with it because she, she really doesn't care if, if her daughter has a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't care that she's been kissed. What she can't quite figure out yet is that what she's missing here is that Rory didn't just tell her about it and describe the whole scene in its entirety because they share everything. In fact, when she's talking to Luke, earlier she says we tell each other everything i don't i got down that somebody one of them said this is different i think he said that he said it this is different so um but it's it's not different she was going to tell her yeah it was just it was a circumstantial thing you know she couldn't tell her because she didn't yet know about she's been hiding dean Mm -hmm. so (laughs) rory has been hiding dean so she can't share with her mother what she wants to share with her lorelei doesn't know Lorelai knows about Dean because she saw the scene in the garden in the last in the last episode, mm-hmm. but but Rory doesn't know that. Yeah. So there's just there's there's a lot of secrets in this I, in this episode. I think there's also I think part of what's happening here is that Lorelai is trying to figure out she's trying to navigate between being the mom and being the best friend. Because for most people, those are two different roles. And I think especially when there's such an age difference, when one of you is an adult and one Mm -hmm. of you is a teenager, you know, like we've said multiple times before, a part of the show is the show about Rory coming of age. 
and this is a yeah. big moment yeah. in that and that that's a big transitional period and so I think they are both grappling with what their role is supposed to be and I think part of why it was hard for Rory to tell her even though she wanted to was because to a certain extent she like she wants to approach Lorelai as her best friend but she knows that Lorelai is also her mom and she doesn't know how that's going to affect this particular situation and for Lorelai it's the same Lorelai herself doesn't entirely know how she's supposed to react she yeah. decides to try to go full friend her choice initially is I'm just going to be fully supportive I'm going to do the opposite of what my mother would do and that's the yeah. other thing is that this whole thing is kind of underpinned by Lorelai's past trauma with Emily which comes up pretty hard uh, in a moment <laughs> but I, I guess basically in this the following scene her initial impulse is to try and be as different from her mom as possible because she doesn't want to alienate Rory and because you know their their relationship has been uh, one of friendship as well. So this whole scene and the one that's coming up and the whole episode brings up for me a question that I think every good parent has grappled with ever. And that is, is your child your friend or is your child your child? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you see memes on the internet all the time is uh i'm not your friend i'm your mother mm -hmm. so and and i have gone back and forth with that because you and i have a lot in common we're very good friends but at the same time and not you know of course now you're an adult but when you were still living with me or, or growing up or in you know high school college all those things i had to set limits and limits gradually became advice because that's the way it should progress and when you set limits with somebody that you also have a very good relationship with it's hard and it's a hard, as you will, I hope, find out someday, it's a hard thing to, what's the word I want? Navigate. <laughs> to navigate together. It's the two different roles. And, and actually, parenting, you have a lot of different roles. And it, there's a lot of things that, that happen in a parent-child relationship. You know, you want to be the advisor. You want to be the enforcer. You have to be the enforcer because they could die. If, yes. you, if you don't enforce certain roles, your child could die. So yeah. you literally have to make them wear a coat. You mm -hmm. have to, you know, you have to make them come in at a certain hour so they're not outside and, and their lives are, are, you know, you have to teach them to drive carefully and safely yeah. and these are all things that the children push back against because their job is to grow up yeah is to figure these things to get to a point where they can figure these kinds of things out on their own so that you're not there you know when they're 60 years old still telling them you should put your socks on <laughs> you know so mm -hmm. um it's, it's a very difficult role to navigate and she's doing that here but their relationship is the exact kind of relationship that most parents are cautioned not to develop. Yeah. So it's it's too much one of friendship. Now yeah. it has worked out well for them because she happens to have a child who was probably mature at the age of three. I mean, she's she's an advanced. She's 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 gifted. And I've always, I've often said that the giftedness has to do with maturity more than anything else. Mature intellectually, mature at, at an early age, emotionally and psychologically sometimes too. But she's always been a very mature person. So Lorelai has lucked out. But if she had been a different kind of person, this good friendship, I'm not going to set any rules kind of relationship might have proved deadly for her child. So it's they're just yeah. this is fiction. It's fiction. Although so, I think um, we also see in this episode in just a moment that in a way Rory is not fully ready for what's happening or at the very least is not confident mm -hmm. about it she 
she lacks a confidence with men that Lorelai has always had. Yeah, that's the yeah. part where when that happens and she walks her through that and helps her with that, perfect. That is yeah. appropriate. And that is exactly the way a mother-daughter relationship should work. And we'll get yeah. to it in a minute. But but yeah, yeah that's, that's perfect. So yeah, before we do get to that, I did have a couple of notes about uh, this scene. So they do end up entering into the market. Uh, Lorelai agrees to know Nancy Walker impressions. They go into the market <laughs> and they kind of like spy on Dean together and it actually pretty quickly becomes a bonding moment for them because Lorelai is really good at being the girlfriend yep. um, and uh, you know that's the path that she's chosen to take in this moment so they kind of girl bond over him while they're walking through the store uh, and then they go up to the cash register and I do just want to point out that the cashier in this scene is maybe the second black person that we've seen on the yeah. show and i don't love that she's basically a prop in this scene but um, she has a couple of good lines and she's funny so she does but she's basically there to start the interaction that then becomes fully about dean mm-hmm. and and like I, I do get it it's not necessarily a criticism of like the writing of this character specifically it's more just like the fact that we are now seeing this black character makes it very clear how few black characters there are on the show otherwise it's pretty much mm-hmm. just michelle in terms just of, one yeah, <laughs> yeah in terms of long-running characters it's just michelle yeah so and she but, is yeah. she is doing a you know labor type job she's not a yes. professional although mm-hmm. most of the characters in the show yeah do it's not a professional um yeah town for the most part so yeah most of the characters in the town are going to be doing those kinds of jobs pretty much unless we're dealing with the grandparents most of the people we're going to be interacting with are going to be some degree of working class but yeah my my main issue is just like oh second maybe second black person we've seen on the whole show and she's not really a character she's not but i really liked her the actress made the most of it yeah she really comes across as being i you know my i actually thought about for a second i hope we see her again because she's she's a good character so i kind of don't think we will but maybe i don't think we will either too yeah. bad but yeah so uh but the, the their interaction with dean is is pretty good it's, it's cute it works and and then she ruins it yeah well she she kind of <laughs> jokingly ruins it first because as they're walking out the door she calls rory a supermarket slut and then they walk out the door and they split up so that rory can go get the movie before the movie place closes lorelei's gonna go get coffee but before she can get coffee dean comes out and catches lorelei because they forgot their red vines i think and whatever those are they're basically like twizzlers um, oh okay but I, th- I think they're the ones that separate into little mm. into littler ones if that makes sense but yeah but dean comes out and lorelei immediately invites him to join them for their movie night without asking rory you know you can tell that she's doing it to be nice and because it's part of her like i'm totally on board with this i'm gonna help them hang out thing but in a way she's doing a much less egregious version of what emily did to rory last week oh god she is yes inviting someone over without actually asking rory if that's what she wants Well, and and Lorelai is, she's a flirt, she's charismatic, Mm -hmm. she's really good with men, even very young men, like this teenager. She's adorable, but she leaps before, I mean, she acts before she thinks, and as soon as she's finished inviting him and he walks away, I think you can kind of see on her face she's not sure she did the right thing. Mm -hmm. And then, she's not. She didn't do the right thing. Uh, I mean, I kind of thought it was sweet, 
and cute and I can see why she did it in the moment that it was happening. I, as a mother, I can see why she did it for all the same reasons she's thinking it through. But as soon as she did it, I thought, oh, Rory is not going to like this. Nope. And she doesn't. Um, she comes over and finds out and she is horrified. Just wildly not okay. Uh, they basically get into a fight right there on the street. Honestly, they both kind of uh, overreact a little bit. Rory keeps mm-hmm. calling Lorelai my mother in this tone that Lorelai really doesn't like uh, and then she does compare her to Emily and yeah. I, I also think what, that Rory doesn't because she has no experience with boys and Lorelai does mm-hmm. and and this is actually a great way to start a relationship I think in fact I think my first date with my first boyfriend we went on a, a thing with my family so yeah. it and she's given her a boost here She's given her a way to spend some time with this boy she likes in an environment, in an atmosphere in her home that is comfortable to her. And But she can't. she's not seeing that yet. I think she does see it later, but she's not seeing it yet. She just sees it as her mom controlling and yeah. stepping in and butting in. And she, you know, well, what would you, you mean, when you get to the point where she's trying to pick out her clothes in a minute, she can't even <laughs> get through that without, you yeah. know, asking I mean, her mom yeah. for help. She's just really anxious. She's really anxious yeah. she's about She's very anxious. This is a great first date for them mm-hmm. in terms of her anxiety. I mean, it's a great way to get through it, and they end up having a good time. Yeah. So it is a little weird, but yeah. it, that's Lore, that's Lorelai. That's what yeah. she does. I think also, like, to a certain extent, Rory is maybe underestimating how smooth Lorelai is. Because Lorelai uh-huh. does say something like, well, you know, I can just disappear into the background, and you guys can hang out, and then Rory's gonna, then, then Rory says, oh, then it's gonna seem like you set up a date for me. And I do think this is Rory not understanding how the world works a little bit she is so naive yeah and so she doesn't know what to think she doesn't know what how to react she's just coming up with anything she can think of i think she realizes oh my god my mom has forced me into a first date with this boy Mm -hmm. that's what's going on here yeah i mean if Mm -hmm. you think about every single one of her interactions with dean the vast majority of them have ended with her literally running away yeah most of them have only lasted a few minutes so i think to a certain extent (laughs) lorelei has forced her hand and is forcing her to like hang out with Dean for a significant amount of time instead of like just a couple of minutes and then running away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rory doesn't feel quite ready for that, but it does end up going pretty well. Uh, and then, yeah, so then they have the little scene where Rory's trying to get ready um, and tells Lorelai that she doesn't understand how Lorelai is as good with guys as she is, then asks for her help choosing what to wear. And Lorelai picks out basically just a sweater, a regular sweater, and says, wear this. It says, you know, I'm cool, but not too cool or whatever. Yeah, what, uh, the, what, it's not the sweater itself, but the reassurance that she gives her that yeah. it's not the clothes that matter. It's, yeah. it's you that matters. And Lorelai knows that mm-hmm. because she's she's supremely self-confident. Mm-hmm. And I think she realizes in that moment that her daughter isn't. It, yeah. It's like, does it really take a boy for you to realize how not confident she is? She's been, the entire seven episodes at this point have revolved around this young, the 16, now 17-year-old girl <laughs> la- lacking self-confidence 
in yeah. every 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 way. Yeah. So and you don't you know you never understand it because she's smart and funny and cute, but she can't see any of that. Well, and I think also I I actually think it kind of does make sense that Lorelai doesn't fully get it because. I think when Rory is around Lorelai, she seems a little more confident because she yeah, kind of she feeds does. off of Lorelai's energy. She does, like, yeah. In the first episode, when that creepy dude tries to hit on the both of them, Rory seems almost as confident as Lorelai, but it's it's partly because she's just she's good at banter with her mom, and mm-hmm. so she can do that with another person there. But you know, when her mom is not there, she doesn't have that, and and then she is yeah. much less confident. Yeah, she is. So when before they get into the scene where they're all, where he's, you know, there and they're watching television, how many people come to the door? I mean, maybe it's not a lot, <laughs> but it seems like the whole town knows that Dean is yeah. coming to have pizza and watch movies with us tonight. So I mean, I it's only te- Suki, yeah, but I she think, says that everybody knows. Yeah, I think technically <laughs> Suki is the only one who goes to the and door. And the pizza guy. But uh, yeah, um, but yeah, it's they they're waiting for Dean. He's late, uh, and then they look out the window and they realize that he has run into Babette. Oh uh, yeah, and we later find out that she kept him there for half an hour. So he's been there for half an hour, and Babette has just been stream of consciousness talking at him. And, and he I doesn't believe... know how to get away. Lorelai does because yeah. the minute Lorelai walks up, she sends the two of them in the house mm-hmm. and cuts it off with Babette like that because she knows instantly what to say. <laughs> yeah. Also, oh god, Babette's Babette in this scene is a little bit creepy. Um. So yeah, L- Lorelai comes outside and tells Dean to go inside and help Rory, and then. Babette is like, oh, you have to tell me about Rory's new boyfriend. And she says that she heard that they had kissed in the market. And her comment on that is, gives a whole new meaning to tasting day. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So creepy. And then her Uh, next comment is like, remember to invite me to the wedding. Yeah. Uh, Which, yeah, my, my, my comment on that was Babette is like every cliche aunt character spitting out yeah. all the catchphrases in like 30 seconds flat. And, and uh, then what's your boyfriend's name and you see him in, or Maury. her husband? Maury with an M. M-A-U-R-Y. Okay. Yes. You see him for just a brief second in the window because that's the only time you ever see him is in the house mm-hmm. or the, through the window. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, when it's not a scene about their cat dying, he, that's, <laughs> that's where you see Maury. And he just kind of waves because he's always mm-hmm. there. Yep. So then they, uh, they're kind of two scenes that happen at once they get in the house uh lorelei starts a tour of the house for dean but then has rory take over because someone rings the doorbell uh she goes over expecting it to be pizza but it's actually suki who basically on the spot tries to invite herself over um, yeah but lorelei will not allow it because she knows that rory is already mortified that any of this is happening well here's my question about this scene though she gives she tells rory to give dean a tour of the house mm-hmm. why why know. would you give a teenage boy a tour of your house when it's basically just three rooms and the only room that's back there besides the kitchen is the bedroom mm-hmm. i mean to be fair lorelei is right there so it's not like you know anything that inappropriate could happen i think it's just an icebreaker i think she does that as just like an icebreaker it seems yeah. bad writing to me i, I it's mean, like they couldn't come up with another idea yeah, to me, I was just like, I, I feel like the icebreaker is watching the movie. Uh, yes. Why don't you guys sit down and start eating? There's a whole table full of food over there. Mm-hmm. Go 
go get a seat. And, and also then they're sitting on the floor, too, instead of the couch, which never yeah. makes any sense to me. Yeah, but So weird. why don't you just go, go sit on the couch and have some food, start the movie, pause it, I'll be over in a second. Or don't mm-hmm. pause it. I, you know, I've seen it yeah. a million times. So, I, yeah, uh, it, it makes no sense. <laughs> but it does give us the scene where Dean is looking around Rory's room. Rory will not enter the room with him, but he, he goes over to her, I'm, I, I guess it's like a, I guess it's a CD player, and picks up a Nick Drake CD. Nick, yep. It's Pink Moon. And he says, uh, how much does it suck that they used Pink Moon in a Volkswagen commercial? And Which Rory's, is a reference to it right over my head. Yeah. I No I idea only, what that's about. <laughs> I only knew it because I had looked up Nick Drake. And so, yeah, that's one of his albums. And I, my question is, was Rory actually a fan of Nick Drake? Or did she run out and buy this album because <laughs> Lane told her that uh, Dean likes Nick Drake? I don't know. That's a good question, actually. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Good I, question. I feel like we don't actually get that much insight into Rory's music tastes, apart from that she likes Macy Gray. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but that's that's what they're mm-hmm. talking about. And then the pizza shows up, and Lorelai successfully gets Suki to leave, but not before Rory and Dean see her there. And Dean um, is totally freaked out at this point. <laughs> yes. And Rory pulls Lorelai aside and says, why didn't you just set up a camera and broadcast it all over the internet? (laughs) So yeah, so then uh, they start watching the movie. There's kind of an uncomfortable discussion about how much Rory eats. They're like eating the pizza, which I feel like they're not even like going that crazy on the pizza. We see it and Mm -mm. like half of the pizza is left and there's three of them there. Like, yeah. that's kind of a normal amount of pizza for three people to eat. Yeah, it's it's uh, the other stuff. There's a table full of junk food. Yeah, in the, addition the table to full the pizza. of junk food is insane. Yeah. <laughs> but the pizza is not that much. But he, I think Dean says something like, wow, you can really eat, huh? And at first Rory's like, yeah, I can. And then she immediately gets self-conscious about it and says something like, oh, that's not a good thing, is it? And then Dean says, most girls don't eat. It's good you eat. Actually, that's actually a good point. And there was a time in history when girls were taught when you go out on a date and there's food involved, you don't eat much. You don't eat, yeah. So, yeah, we're not supposed to eat much. And so... So he has sisters, I think, is when, when he says this. He, and they've probably marked on it with well, him. He, he says the sisters thing in a second, but he he does he does have yeah. the sisters. I that, think, that's I just, probably what happened. I just feel like, I feel like at this time, it was really common to have the cool guy character, the, like, good guy character remark that he likes that the girl actually eats. Mm-hmm. But the line is always delivered to a girl who is white, pretty, and skinny. Like, mm. this is never a line that is actually delivered to a woman who looks like she eats. You know, it's mm-hmm. never delivered to a fat woman. It's never delivered to a woman who in any way is outside of the bounds of a very strict mainstream idea of beauty. And I feel like it's kind of like a false feminist flag like this guy is supposed to be a feminist because he likes a girl that eats but he only likes a girl that eats and looks the way that Rory does yeah and it's also just kind of like you know what in reality to look as skinny as Rory does you can't eat this way or you have Uh, to work out an awful lot yeah yeah so like it's kind of a lie like or or it's, it's kind of like it's kind of almost making I think the idea was supposed to be that this means that this is a guy who like doesn't care as much about girls adhering to a standard except it does it's just that that standard is you have to look this way and you have to eat 
You yeah. can't you can't rain on anyone's parade by making it clear to the men that looking this way requires not eating. Well, so. I also think he's trying to make her feel better because he realizes as soon as after he said this about she likes to eat or she eats a lot of whatever, she she responds with that's not a good thing. He yeah. realizes he's he's made her even more nervous and he knows she's nervous. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so he I, does I think, come back with a good comment and I think that's that just shows how sensitive he is. I mean, I, I agree with everything you just said but yeah i I do think he's yeah i think in the context i understand why he's saying it and he is trying to make her feel less self-conscious i I do think Mm -hmm. that's true i just think it is representative of a trend at this time that kind of sucked uh yeah and so this is more a note for the writers than for him as a character especially in a show where they make so much about, I mean, like Gilmore Girls is almost the standard bearer for this, right? They're, they make such a big deal out of how much these two women supposedly eat. And yet you never see them eat. And yet you never actually see them eat and they look the way that they do. Uh, and I think we've talked about this a little bit in a previous episode, but like Lauren Graham has talked about what she actually eats and it is not this. She is not yeah. eating tables of junk food. She's eating like spinach and egg whites, you know, <laughs> like that mm-hmm. kind of a meal. So I don't know. Uh, also, I will say the way that it's phrased from him is a little bit less grating than it normally is because it's normally phrased like I like a girl who eats which is just like freaking not true the way that he phrases it is most girls don't eat it's good you eat if you just take it's good you eat that is true that is good and like people should eat <laughs> we need to eat to survive well and you know too there's there's it's the thing that this scene made me think of was when I was a teenager I'm on dates with my first boyfriend I didn't eat very much on these dates at all we would you know go get pizza or whatever and I would eat a couple of bites and it wasn't because I was not trying to be seen eating I was just a nervous wreck I was very I'm such an introvert still am and you know just could not bring myself to eat so and but it became a joke between us sometimes you know he he we'd order a pizza and he'd say so I'm gonna eat six pieces and you're gonna have a half of one right I mean it it was a joke between us but you know and it wasn't because of the traditional reasoning it was just that I was nervous and I never got past that wasn't until you know it wasn't for three or four years till I'd been dating I dated several different people before I got better about eating on a date because I was just so nervous part of me wondered if that's if that is at least in the writer's mind in this scene, even though it's not happening with the character, but maybe it is because we don't see her eating that junk food that's on the table. She doesn't pick yeah. any of it up because we don't see Lorelai eat it either. But <laughs> none of it's open. It's all unopened. It's just sitting there on the yep. table unopened. But anyway, uh, but, so... Yeah, so then we start talking about movies a little bit. Lorelai kind of outs Rory for having had a crush on Prince Charming from Sleeping Beauty, which Dean immediately understands is because he could dance. He could uh, I don't think I've ever seen Sleeping Beauty all the way through. I don't remember it well enough to know that he could dance, but okay. <laughs> I, I, there, there is like an. I think there is an early scene where the two of them dance. Like one, of, I think one of the famous scenes is of Sleeping Beauty in the Briar Rose outfit dancing. Mm. But I'm not, I'm not an expert. I don't think I've seen the movie all the way through. But this is where he says that he has sisters, and so that's yeah. how he knows that it's because he can dance. He, Dean has also never seen The Way We Were, and neither have I. It's, it's one of those sappy movies. It is Robert Redford and uh, Barbara. I think I've seen I, I've seen the Sex in the City episode that references it a ton. So yeah. I'm like so somewhat familiar they, with what happens. And I'm trying to remember if it's a 
it might be one of those movies that's constructed with a it, it's a throwback the whole time. She's remembering the remembering that half. That's why it's the mm. way we were. It's a memory. We were, yeah. It seems like that's that's how it's constructed. So you see them, they see each other, the beginning of the movie, you know, years after the relationship has ended, and then she remembers the whole relationship. I think that's right. It could be wrong, or it could just be that they see each other at the end anyway. So, but they they do kind of. It's the sixties <clears throat> when they when they met each other. The sixties. They do kind of get into some protests and the communist thing isn't really, it's more of a protest thing than a communist. It seems like, it's been a long time since I saw it and I only saw it once, but he leaves her because she's too into this and, or they break up and it's his choice because she's a very fervent, zealous kind of person and he just really wants a normal lifestyle. He, he's, you know, his rebellious years were his young years and he's ready to move on. So they separate, they go their own ways. He has a family. I don't remember what she has. Anyway, so it's, so it's a, it's, it does not have a happy ending for them, which is kind of what they're referencing there, I think. They should have gotten back together. <laughs> uh, so after that, Lorelai leaves them by themselves uh, for a little bit. She kind of excuses herself to go make popcorn and then like peeks back in and sees that they're having a nice time together. So she sort of quietly decides to stay in the kitchen, mm-hmm. which is, you know, kind of what she suggested she could do earlier. And Here, it- here's a visual question, though. That popcorn bowl that she's carrying, she tips it several times that she's carrying it and if she walks into the kitchen and she's bouncing and the, and the bowl is bouncing and it's mm-hmm. tipping and i'm like i'm sorry that popcorn is not moving it's not real it's not real popcorn <laughs> it's not real popcorn and then she goes back and does the same thing as she's walking back into the kitchen it's still mm-hmm. it's still bouncing and flipping and it's not moving <laughs> it's not spilling anyway i just wanted to point that out <laughs> It's like the coffee cup thing. <laughs> yeah, the empty empty cu- coffee cup the thing. It's like, cup thing, do yeah. these prop masters not know that we see these things? <laughs> anyway, I have uh, a friend yeah. who's a prop master. I should ask her. Um. So yeah. So she she sits in there and she's. Uh, she's got like a magazine that she's reading through. But then Rory and Dean are alone and she starts to like shift because she's uncomfortable and Dean like picks up a pillow and puts it down for because her. Because he's sitting in front of the couch. He's leaning against the couch. They're on the floor. Yeah. She's got nothing to lean against. He gives her a bed pillow, not even mm-hmm. a couch pillow, but a bed pillow and puts it behind her. And I'm like, what's she supposed to do? Lay down? Yeah. And th- th- my response was definitely, you guys could both just be sitting on the couch. Or just scoot over. So they scoot yeah. over so you're both sitting up against, you know, they, they're afraid to do anything with it. They're very awkward yeah. with each other. And in fact, Rory gets so awkward in this moment that she gets up and walks into the kitchen. And this and- is the scene of disbelief because they have a loud conversation and they are just a room away. And <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, he doesn't hear any of it, really? He, sh- he should have absolutely heard every single word they said. That's yep. for sure. <laughs> Rory basically comes into the kitchen and tells Lorelai that she wants her to go back into mom mode from friend mode and to come in and not leave them alone anymore because she is yeah. not ready to deal with that. Which kind of <laughs> validates the whole situation because mm-hmm. she really she has to realize at this point that Lorelai knew what she was doing, even though yep. Lorelai didn't realize that she knew what she was doing, but yep. but she did. And she does come back in, and for some reason they decide that Rory... So Rory doesn't want them to enter the room together 
So she goes to the bathroom um, and they decide to tell Dean that Rory is washing her face because of all the candy, which I guess is because it would have been too gross to say that she was just in the bathroom because that implies that she's peeing and God forbid Dean be aware that she has to pee sometimes. So instead well, she she's eats. washing her face. Doesn't she eat? So <laughs> That does mean that Lorelai and Dean get a moment alone and Lorelai decides it's time to give him the speech and she starts her speech with, she's not going on your motorcycle. Yeah, and she says a few things in there I think that are just uncalled for. It's like she feels like she has to be the heavy and give him a warning at this point. And like my question was, first of all, do you not know your daughter? Mm -hmm. First of all, I'm, and you know, she's got a background. Lorelai has a history. She was a single mom at 16, so she is worried about all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But she's got to know at this point that her daughter is not her. And yet she gives Dean this very uncomfortable speech. I mean, yeah. I'm, I, I thought I felt uncomfortable watching it. I think she overstepped in a couple of places, or maybe it was badly written. I'm not sure. The, the part about the town was sweet and true. But she says that the whole town loves Lorelai and will protect her. Yeah. And, and it's true because I've said several times that the whole town has helped to raise her. Yeah. It's, she's their baby. But the rest of it was, was pretty mean, I thought. It was definitely a bit much. Again, I feel like today we would look at this differently than we did at the time. I feel like mm. at this time, it was still pretty common and accepted. To, actually, there's there's a reference earlier when Rory says the no Nancy Walker impressions thing. She also says uh, no father with a shotgun stare. And I think that's kind of what Lorelai is doing here. It's the father yeah. with the shotgun speech. And yeah, I feel like well, at the time, we still kind of accepted that. And I, I mean, even now, there are a lot of people who think that that's totally okay, that it's totally okay to be this overprotective of your daughter's sexuality in a way that we don't tend to do to young men. And I think it's because she suspects Dean. She looks at him. Somehow she has a form of radar that she can tell that this guy is experienced. He may not even be a virgin. He has had a girlfriend for a whole year. She gets that from looking mm -hmm. at him and the way he interacts with Rory. She gets that he is way more experienced than Rory is. So she understands that he needs to understand that she will protect her daughter. But she could have said it more nicely, I think. I think she also very much sees him as a new Christopher. I don't think mm -hmm. she's totally right. Mm -mm. I, I think, all right, there's a thing that I'm not going to say because I don't want to do spoilers, but I don't think that Dean is very similar to Christopher. Mm -mm. I think Lorelai sees him as similar to Christopher and Rory is meeting him at a time in her life that is kind of the same time as when Laura Lorelai got pregnant. Yeah. Um, and I think the so, line, yeah. she's not going on your motorcycle, is a Christopher reference. Christopher mm -hmm. has a motorcycle. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Okay. Mm -hmm. It would be any boy at this point. If it wasn't Dean, yeah. it would some, be somebody else. Any exactly. boy at this point is going to make her think about Christopher exactly. and her own her own mistakes. Yeah. And and I think she's wrong. I think Dean is not yes. like Christopher at all. No. And she's... Rory is not her. Rory is yeah, not Yeah, Rory's not her. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, but that that's what he set off in her. So I feel like this is more of her own trauma response than it is in any way I mean it's not a reasonable way to treat him I think this was was probably at the time considered totally fine because you're allowed to be this overprotective of your daughter's sexuality and you're mm -hmm. allowed to essentially threaten young men to... and traditionally it usually comes from the father Traditionally but comes there's from the no father, father here. but there yeah. is no father here. Yeah. Yeah. And as we saw, the the character in this episode who is closest to Rory's father is 
Luke, and he is kind of on the other side of this. He thinks that it's totally fine. You know, to be fair, he's, you know, he's not here in this moment, but he was the one who was trying to talk her down earlier. So yeah, so there's no father character to give this speech, so Lorelai is kind of taking it on herself. And you could maybe argue that maybe that's part of why she's so harsh, because she feels like she has to be, because there's no father to do it for her. I think that's one possibility. I think also she is overreacting in several places in this whole episode simply because her daughter did not tell her about the the kiss and did not describe it to her. So there's two things going on there. One is she's realizing that there will be lots of stories like that going forward that her daughter's not going to tell her. So there's going to be a separation and and she has to trust her daughter. So that's going on here. But also knowing the details of the kiss would help her to feel, I think, a little bit more comfortable Mm -hmm. with... Um, the boy, which would be more, you know, she she's overreacting because she doesn't know what happened. Mm-hmm. She needs to know what happens when you when after he leaves. There's a nice little kiss on the porch, and they say their good night, and he he leaves, and then Rory comes into her mom's bedroom, and Lorelai's laying on her bed, and she does not look happy. She mm-hmm. looks troubled. They have a little bit of a conversation, and you can probably give a little bit about that. But as she's as Rory is leaving, Lorelai gets it across to her: "You haven't told me about the kiss yet." Yes. And Rory doesn't understand at first what she means, but she finally gets it. She doesn't mm-hmm. just want to know that it happened. She wants to know how it happened, yeah. what what happened in that scene. That story that she told to Lane over and over again, she has not even yeah. told, uh, you know, even a tiny percent of it to her mom. She needs to tell her that because her mom needs to feel a little bit more comfortable with this boy. And yeah. if she told her that before, she might not have given Dean such such a harsh speech, I think. Yeah. And I do want to say that I think Dean's reaction to the speech is pretty good. Um, yeah, he just it tells is. her he's not going anywhere and that he needs her not to hate him. Uh, and she says she doesn't hate him and he correctly identifies that she doesn't like him either. And her response is, I want to like you and I usually get what I want. Which I think that line... It's harsh. To me, it, it's, it's a little harsh, but I do think it's a little bit better than some of the rest of the speech because yeah, I, it, it is at least honest about where she's at emotionally. Like, I feel like in a small way that line is... Why a, doesn't she like him? though well i think emotionally it's just hard for her to i I think that mm. line is a concession to the fact that she doesn't have a real reason not to like him and maybe it's literally just that she just doesn't have enough information yet she Um, doesn't know about the kiss she doesn't know how the kiss happened maybe once she gets that information she'll be a little bit happier so she gets that information we don't hear it but she sits down and starts to tell her, and that's the end of the episode, right? Yeah, and it is very cute. Yeah, uh, Lorelai, uh, Rory comes into her room, and like you said, Lorelai looks a little upset, and finally it clicks for Rory that she needs to tell her the story, and you can see it on Lorelai's face that her, her whole attitude mm-hmm. changes. She's excited to hear it. This is what she has wanted mm-hmm. the whole episode. And for a lot of reasons. One is she yeah. doesn't want to lose his closeness with her daughter, and another, she wants to be able to trust Dean. When she gets the story, she's going to understand. We don't see her get it but we know that she's going to see how sweet this was on the other hand if this would have happened today you might actually say well he kissed her without her permission and that's actually a whole conversation for another day because people kissing a lot of times is without permission because somebody has to take the initiative so that's that's been a whole cultural conversation that's going on right now that we haven't worked through but when you have two people who are kissing somebody has to take the initiative 
although he doesn't, he does blindside her with the kiss. She doesn't does, see it coming. Yeah. So he, so in that sense, a lot of times when the, the kiss they have on the porch at the end of their first little date um, yes. is mutual. They're both moving in towards each other. So that's mutual. He doesn't have to ask permission, but he did not ask permission the first time, which if I were a young feminist, I might have an issue with that. But <laughs> I'm an older feminist, so I don't. I, mean, I, I do think that it is a complicated issue. I would say the mitigating factor here is that it, it's not like they had no prior relationship when he kissed right, her. Right. Uh, they have had multiple moments leading up to this that were clearly flirtatious and romantic. Mm-hmm. And I think to me, the key scene that makes that kiss okay is that the episode before he gave her that pendant. Was it a pendant? He, he gave her that bracelet that he made. And oh, it's a bracelet. Hands. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they held hands. And that was like a very clearly romantic moment. You know, they mm-hmm. were alone in the garden holding hands. I feel like that is the moment that set the tone that makes it okay that he kissed mm-hmm. her. For me personally, everybody's going to have their own opinion yeah. on it. And some people are just not going to want to be kissed unless you ask. And that's okay too. Communication mm-hmm. is good. And well, so- But we do see in the scene where he, when he kisses her, you know, surprisingly and, and whatever, that he has more experience than she has. So yes. in, in that sense... You know, of course, we're we're left not knowing how Lorelai actually reacted to the story because they cut the the episode off, and we have to cut off our show pretty soon. Yeah. Um, but but he um, when she is told that story, she's going to realize even more so that he has more experience than Rory has. But you know, mm-hmm. that's often the case. I mean, it's often the case that we're mm-hmm. when you have a pe- people young people like this at this at this point in their lives, one may have more experience than the other. That one is usually the one who's going to initiate the kiss. So, yeah. so there's, there's a lot going on there. I love the way they explore these issues. So not even probably thinking about it. Yeah. You know, they, they probably didn't even occur to the writers, oh, he should have asked her permission because yeah. it was 2000. <laughs> yeah. And I will so. say also, you know, their, their first kiss, it was very chaste. It was very quick. And so he did kiss her without asking for permission, but he didn't keep kissing her. He kissed no. her quickly he didn't and then allowed it. her to react. Yeah, yeah, he pulled back. He pulled back and let her turn. And then she said thank you and ran away. Yes. <laughs> and on that note, we need to say thank you and run away. Yes, indeed we do. <laughs> We're go- we've gone long again. Yes. That was the episode. Uh, I'm Tessa Dare. You can find me at my website, tessadare.com. That's T-E-S-S-A-D-A-I-R.com, where you can sign up for my email list. Or you can follow me on Instagram at author.tess.adair or on Twitter at authortessadair, all one word. And I am Beth Von Baron. You can find me on Instagram at stl underscore writer underscore Beth, where I also have a, a link tree to my other sites. And this has been Where You Lead, our brilliant and fun new podcast about the Gilmore Girls from the perspective of a mother and daughter. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll tune in for our next episode in two weeks. See you then. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.